Song of Solomon chapter 3 verse 1, By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets, and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up nor awake my love till he please. Remember, we are examining the beauty and the faithfulness of marital love. We have three main characters, the Shulamite woman, her shepherd that she loves, and we have Solomon, and he hasn't even entered the picture yet, but he will. And as we look at the beauty of marital love, we're taking what God says in his word from Ephesians 5. We're applying the husband-wife relationship to the relationship of the Lord and his churches. And what we see in this chapter is the great desire, the great devotion this Shulamite woman has for her shepherd. She loves him. She desires his presence. She wants to be with him. She longs to be with him. I mean, you look at what she says. She, how many times did she refer to him as him whom my soul loveth? She's saying, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. And I want to be with him. And she goes to great lengths to find him. We're going to talk about that, what kind of great lengths she went to in just a little bit. But again, it talks about the beauty and it talks about the dedication that a wife might have for her husband. Now, we're not going to say a lot right now in this message about how the husband should feel about the wife. You understand why? Who is the bridegroom? Jesus is, okay? We are espoused. We're not married to Christ yet. We're espoused to him. We're not the bride yet. We're engaged, okay? But we know that the bridegroom loves his bride. So how should the bride or the potential bride feel about her bridegroom? And so that's what we're going to look at as we look at this message, these verses this morning. And first of all, we see what I call her desire and the instance of her desire in verse 1. She says, by night I sought him whom my soul loveth. Now we may not think much of that in this day and age and in this nation. But I tell you what, it was something for her to go out at night, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, it was something for her to go out at night and to look for him. But she says, I sought him. I sought him diligently. I was, I was searching for him. I love him. I wanted to find him. This is an intense search. She's not just going out casually and saying, well, you know where he is. She's really looking for this one that she loves. You know, I thought about that, and I thought, have you ever noticed and if you've raised children, you have. Have you ever noticed how children look for something? You tell them to go find something and they go stand in the doorway of the room where it's supposed to be and they look around the room for a second and say, I can't find it. Well, that's not this kind of search. She is really diligently searching for the one that she loves. She's turning things upside down. She's going everywhere. She talks about seeing the watchmen of the city and asking them, have you seen him? It's her desire. She wants to be with her shepherd constantly. She wants to 
be in His fellowship, be in His presence. Remember what Genesis 3.16 said, God said to the woman, your desire shall be to your husband. Now again, I'll point out what we did in that first message. Remember, God said to the woman, your desire shall be to your husband. In Ephesians chapter 5, God said through the Apostle Paul to the men, love your wife. She desires, she wants your love. Well, that's why she married you, isn't it? You know, she wants your love. And so you just love your wife. And so this word desire has the idea of delight. And the Lord was saying to the woman, your delight is going to be in your husband. Guess where our delight ought to be? Not in a building. What have we seen? We've seen buildings can be taken down, haven't we? You know, we just thank the Lord a tornado didn't hit our building. What we've experienced has been bad enough, but buildings can be burned. Buildings can be destroyed. Our delight is not in a name. Our delight is in our Lord. Husbands and wives need to desire the company of one another above everything else. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, God said to Adam, for this cause shall a man leave his father, and the cause is getting married by the taking a wife, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. See, without my wife, I'm only half a person. Thankfully, without me, she's half a person too. <laughs> we make up one flesh together. That's the way God designed that thing. And we're supposed to remember that in our relationship. There's only one thing that should supersede my love for my wife and her love for me. And you know what that is? That's love for God. That's faithfulness to God. That should come before anything else. But just as a wife is to desire her husband, and just as this Shulamite woman desired her beloved above anything else, folks. This church and every one of the Lord's churches should desire to please Jesus Christ more than anything. Amen. You know, we live in a day today when churches are trying to put on a good enough show that they can attract the world. And when the world comes in, they'll try to use a little bait and switch on them and all of a sudden run the gospel in on them thinking, well, maybe they'll have a positive response to this if we'll just attract them with the things that they like listen nobody is going to be saved without the convicting power of the holy spirit Amen. john 6:44 jesus said no man can come unto me except the father which hath sent me draw him and that drawing is the conviction of the holy spirit well how do you get the conviction of the holy spirit working well one of the ways is that god's people are to be the witnesses to the lost world not try to put on a, as Vance Havner used to say, a holy hootenanny in a church building to attract the world and then try to preach the gospel to them. But in our day-to-day -day living, be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard about a certain city where the church building caught on fire and a great crowd showed up to see the spectacle. And standing in that crowd was somebody that said this. They said, you know, when the church gets on fire, people show up. Get the message? Folks, when the church gets on fire, people will show up. When the church gets on fire for the Lord, people will come. Not to hear the preacher. My goodness. You can find thousands of better speakers than this preacher. But people need to come because God's people are witnessing, inviting, and encouraging. And people are coming to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of seeking to please men, what we are supposed to do is obey God. What did 
Peter say in Acts chapter 5, we ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. We ought to please God rather than men. So there's the instance of her desire, but here's the intensity of it. She's saying, night after night, I sought him. It's in a construction that, that's ongoing, continuously, constantly. I'm seeking him. Is there ever a good time, by the way, to be without the fellowship of the Lord? Absolutely not. So she's saying, I'm constantly, have been constantly seeking him. And again, this is intensified. This is an intense search that she is going through. It's not a casual, again, looking, but it is a painstaking search. Have you ever lost something that was important to you? Maybe a ring, maybe money. <laughs> Money's important to all of us, isn't it? Maybe something else that had great value. Uh, I'm going to tell on myself, the night I graduated from seminary, we went out to eat. And I had this bad habit of when I went in to wash my hands, I would take my wedding band off and lay it down, wash my hands, dry them, put it back on. Got home, I didn't have my wedding band. Now the reason I don't have one today is because my fingers got fat and I've got to get it resized before I can get it on. But I didn't have my wedding band. And I searched everywhere, called the restaurant we'd been to. No, they hadn't found it. Checked, maybe I dropped it in the yard. Hadn't found. And I searched and searched and searched for that wedding band, never found it. See, if you lose something that's valuable, you're not going to just casually glance around for it. You're going to look for it. Might even say, "Hey, there's a reward if you find this, and we, if you find this thing that I've lost, let me know." So here, this woman is saying, "I don't want to lose him." I don't want to lose sight of him again. That just teaches us that our desire for the Lord ought to be constant. Our desire for fellowship with the Lord ought to be continual. You know, one of the problems in a lot of marriages is that that desire, that love is not expressed. The husband may love the wife. She may love her husband. But it's just, it's just not expressed. I think sometimes we get the attitude Hopefully none of us. But I think sometimes people get the attitude, whether the husband or the wife says, well, I got him, I've got her. I don't need to be attractive to him anymore, you know. They're married, we're married, we're together. And so I don't have to cause them to be around me. I don't have to look good anymore. I don't have to smell good anymore. I don't have to dress up anymore. And so we just sort of take for granted what we have and where we are. What has happened is once they got married, that desire was fulfilled, and so, okay, the work's over. We should never have that attitude in our dealings with the Lord. Luke 9.23 does not talk about marriage, but it talks about our desire, and it talks about our love for the Lord. Listen to it. And he said unto them all, by the way, that's important to note right there. He said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, and follow me. How often are we to take up our cross? Daily. Every day. You can't say I'm picking up my cross. And I'm just going to carry it from now on. The rest of this. No. Daily Jesus said. You've got to pick it up every day. And what are we supposed to do. When we pick up that cross? Follow him. Now remember the purpose of picking up the cross. The, the picture of picking up the cross. Because in that day. When a man was sentenced to die on the cross. He had to carry his cross. To the place of crucifixion. We know Jesus started out carrying his cross. We're not told in the scripture that he stumbled under the weight of it. But we are told that Simon of Cyrene was eventually compelled to carry the cross for him. So when you saw a man carrying a cross. You know that was a dead man walking right there. He was going to the place to be crucified. 
But we're to take up our crosses daily. And we're to follow the Lord. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. God said to the Apostle Paul, find the place that I have for you. We know that we're given in 1 Corinthians 11.3 God's order for the home. This submission is not subservient. It's not being a slave. It is accepting the order that God has for the home that the husband is to be the spiritual leader. And why was Eve created? What was she supposed to be? A helper that was meat or that was right for Adam. Why is it easy to submit to Jesus? I mean, we're supposed to, right? Why is it easy to submit to Jesus? Well, he loves us. We know that he loves us. We know that he's not going to do us any harm. And so we are to submit. And when a wife loves her husband, when a husband loves his wife, she knows that he loves her with a self-sacrificing love. Submission is not a problem. When we love Jesus and we know that he loves us, submission to the Lord and to his desires for our life should not be a problem. Listen, when a church loves the Lord, submission will not be a problem. Amen. We will be wanting to do what he would have us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Think about the church at Smyrna. Remember them, Revelation chapter 2? This was the church to which the Lord said. Now, we had the, the rich poor church. That's the church at Laodicea. Remember them, chapter 3 of Revelation? They said, we're rich and increased with goods and we don't need anything. And the Lord said, you're poor and miserable and blind and naked and you don't even know it. But to this church at Smyrna, which was a very small persecuted church, because the Lord said, you're going to have tribulation for 10 days or for a certain period of time. Satan's going to attack you. But he said, but you're rich. And you know why they were rich? Because they were submitted to and they were faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, we don't hear of a lot of churches named Smyrna today, do we? <coughs> Smyrna Baptist Church. Well, we don't hear that a lot. Why? Maybe they don't want to be identified with being persecuted. But there's her desire. She wants to be with her shepherd. Here's her diligence. She says in verse 2, I will rise now. In other words, she's saying, I must arise. I, I've got to get up and go look for him. I don't know where he is, but I need to find him. This is something she had to do. Not because anybody was making her do it. That was her desire. I want to be near him. I want to be with him. She said, I'm going to search until I find my beloved, until I find the one whom my soul loves. Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31 and beginning in verse 10, the word of God tells us about what the scripture calls a virtuous woman. Verse 10 says, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. And then it goes on to say she'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And it goes on to describe this virtuous woman. But what he's describing is a woman who is devoted to her husband. She loves him. She cares for him. She is going to do things for him. And she is going to show her love for him. That diligence comes out of her love. And the scripture teaches us it is a self-sacrificing. We don't see much of that today, do we? But we need that sort of diligence in serving our Lord. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. The Lord was speaking to the church at Ephesus. Remember what he said to them? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left 
thy first love. What is first love? Honeymoon love. But a couple just got married yesterday. Boy, they got honeymoon love for one another. You should have watched those two. They just like being with each other, doing things together, and the smiles on their faces when they saw each other. That's honeymoon love, folks. That's what we ought to still have, by the way, if you're married. That's what you still ought to have for your mate. Don't ever lose honeymoon love. Don't ever lose that first love. But you know, a church can lose honeymoon love. The church at Ephesus did. Look at that church. They had tried those who said they were apostles and found them to be liars. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They were doctrinally straight as an arrow. Listen, a church can be doctrinally as straight as an arrow and doctrinally sound and still be out of fellowship with the Lord if it has lost that honeymoon love for Christ. I'm strong on doctrine. We ought to stand for the truth. The scripture says in the book of Proverbs, buy the truth and sell it not. Don't ever back away from the truth, but don't get so caught up in being solid on the truth that we lose our honeymoon love for Christ. By the way, honeymoon love for Christ is a doctrine, you know that? What is a doctrine? It's a teaching. Anything that is taught is doctrine, and the Word of God teaches us to have that first love, that honeymoon type of love for Christ. The problem in many marriages is the honeymoon love goes away. Again, they take one another for granted. It gets lost in the shadows of day-to-day -day living. That can happen in a lot, but that can happen in church life too. You know, they're just, I didn't realize all the stress related in what has taken place since the 28th day of May. That's when we had the fire. But you're dealing with trying to get things back to normal, and I can't speak for any other preacher, but I know for me, if it's not back to normal and I don't think you're comfortable, it's going to bug me to death. It's just going to add stress to me because I, I, want, yeah, I don't want anything to cause any, give any, let me rephrase, I don't want anything to happen to give anyone an excuse not to come. Amen. You know? And people, whether we want to admit it or not, people will look for excuses. They keep that building too cold. I'm not going back up there. That building was too hot. I'm not going back up there. We had to sit in the sun. I'm not going back up there. You know? And people find excuses not to attend. And I don't want anybody to have that. And so there's just been this ton of stress going on. I probably shouldn't have admitted that, but it's true. And you can actually begin to See that honeymoon love wane when you get caught up in the middle of things like that. And the problem in the lives of many believers is we just get caught up in day-to-day -day activities and we lose the focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and the honeymoon love begins to wane. Folks, I can see it. I'm going to be honest with you. I can see it in the life of this church over the past year or so. I made that statement one time in Sunday school and some people really questioned my statement, but I'll make it again because what happens, I see the enthusiasm waning a little bit. Now I know things are different over these last few weeks, but there's a time on a Sunday morning we start Sunday school at 9.30, we had people getting here at 9 o'clock just to fellowship and visit with one another and be together. And that has sort of fallen by the wayside. I see it happening. And I'm trying to, I guess, use this message to, to warn us, be careful. Don't let that love ebb. Don't let that love fade. I'm not saying everybody ought to get here when I get here. You don't want to get here when I get here. 
We were here just after 8 this morning. But there were things to do, things to get ready. And for me, I just love getting here and being here ahead of everybody to have some time to think and, and consider. Meanwhile, back at the message. You know, I said COVID did a number on us. And I realized that. But remember, even when we were having to meet only by live stream, so many people are saying, I can't wait to get back in the building. I can't wait to get back where we can meet together. And so we need to maintain that. But Satan worked in the lives of some folks. And somehow the intensity has dropped off. We need to get back to this desire, this diligence that this Shulamite woman had. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember what it was like to have just been saved? You wanted to tell the world, didn't you? You wanted everybody to know, hey, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven. I've trusted Jesus. Well, what happened? See, I'll tell you what happens. I don't need to ask. I'll tell you what happens. It's a whole lot easier to cool off somebody that's just been saved than it is to warm up people who've been saved for a long time who've grown cold. And you can take somebody like that and you can put them, and I'm not saying this has happened to anybody here, but you can take somebody like that and you can put them in a group of people that have been saved for a long time that are just sort of, okay, this is the way it is. And you can see that cooling start to take place. We need to go back to Calvary. I'm not saying we need to be saved again. That's not, you never lost your salvation if you ever saved. You never lost it. But we need to go to, back to Calvary. We need to stand at the foot of the cross. We need to look up on the cross and we need to see the Lord hanging there. And we need to look up into His eyes and see the love and the compassion for us burn from His eyes. We need to hear Him say like He did in the book of Luke, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is given for you. And we need to remember what the Lord Jesus has done for us and remember our love for Him. Amen. Then we see her determination. I like this part. She said, I held on to Him and would not let Him go. I don't know why I like that verse. I just like that verse. I held on to him and would not let him. Remember what she's done. She has searched throughout the city. She's gone out at night to search for him. Now I said that was a dangerous thing. This would be sort of like going out into one of our major cities, into some crime-ridden areas of a major city in this nation at night, a woman alone going out into an area like that looking for someone. That's what it was like in that day. He meant so much to her, she put her own life in peril that she would go out and she would look for him. See, devotion will do this. Devotion will cause us to be less concerned about ourselves and more concerned about our Lord. That's what devotion will do. She arose in the night. She sought him in the city. She got up and got out of bed to go search for him. Confession time. 11 o'clock last night, I wanted to make sure the air units were doing okay, so I came up here at 11 o'clock last night. I was up here just after 6 this morning, make sure the air units were doing all right and nothing had burned up, all right. I trust the Lord, but I also don't trust manufacturers these days, I guess. But she got up and got out of bed and went out to search for her beloved. Devotion will produce diligence. And you know what some people need on Sunday morning? They need to get up and get out of bed. Amen. 
just get up, get out of bed, say, this. I'm going to go and worship God today. I'm going to be faithful to God today. I'm going to serve Him. If I don't serve Him any other day of the week, I'm at least going to be in church on Sunday morning. The hardest thing for me to do, as one man said one time in the mornings, is to get that bed off of my back. Okay? But it's necessary if we're going to be devoted to our Lord. And when she found him, she said, I'm going to hold on to him. She was determined to hold on to him. It's sort of like Jacob wrestling with the angel. You remember that from the book of Genesis when Jacob wrestled with the angel? And this is a picture of prayer life right here. What did Jacob say to that angel? I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. We need to pray that way. Lord, I'm going to pray about this thing. And Lord, I'm going to keep praying about it until you give me an answer. You give me a yes or a no or a wait. I'm going to pray about it, Lord, until you give me an answer. That's why I said we got a circle prayer on that, that AC panel repair. I ask you to pray with this determination about that thing. Here's a commitment to serve. We need a a determination to pray. We need a determination to witness. We need a determination to keep on serving, keep on praying, keep on witnessing. How long do we pray about prayer requests? You know, somebody offered, has a prayer request and say, okay, I'll pray one time. Or do we pray until God sends an answer? That's a determination on praying for prayer requests. Husbands and wives need that kind of determination in the marriage relationship. By the way, ladies, have you forgotten the effort you put in to developing that guy you married? And into making him what you want him to be and what you need him to be? You know, I sometimes jokingly say, if I ever get rid of this one, but the truth is I don't want to get rid of this one. Okay? Buy the truth and sell it not. The truth is valuable. Jesus compares the kingdom of God in the New Testament to a costly pearl. He compares the kingdom of God in the New Testament to a lost coin, to a lost lamb. Remember the one man had 100 sheep, 99 of them were in the fold. One was away out of the fold. What did he do? He left the 99. He went and searched for the one. The woman that had the lost coin turned their house upside down looking for the lost coin. See, all of these things are valuable things. And the people who lost them made sacrifices, great sacrifices, to find what they had lost or to get back what they had lost. And then when they found it, what did they do? There was rejoicing. And by the way, Jesus said there's rejoicing in heaven over one soul that's saved. The Lord's churches should never, never forget. We should set it in our minds that we do not want to be separated from our Lord. We don't want to be out of fellowship with him. We don't want the fellowship with broken. We don't want to do anything that would cause him to say what he said to the seven, five of the seven churches of Asia. And what did he say to those five of those seven churches? He said, remember, repent, return, or else. I'm going to remove your candlestick. I'm going to remove your authority to exist and to operate as one of my churches. By the way, we ought to have individually have the same attitude for our lives. Amen. And right quickly, her devotion. I like this part too. She said, I brought him to my mother's house. You know what she's saying? I brought him home to mama. I got him. I wasn't going to let go of him. And I brought him home to mama 
He is hers. She's devoted to him. She desires to be his, and she has him home with her. She's made a long and diligent search for her shepherd husband, and she never wants to be separated from him again. Matthew chapter 19 gives us God's will, and we know God's will, God's desire for marriage, but over in Matthew the 19th chapter, Jesus was asked a question, and the question had to do with the, the writing of the bill of divorcement that Moses had spoken of. But in verse 6, Jesus answered and said unto them, because, you know, in that day, she just burned the toast. You could say, I'd divorce you, and that was it, you know. So Jesus said, and he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife? And by the way, that word cleave has the idea of being glued to. You're stuck with me. Right? <laughs> and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Look at verse 8. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. God's desire is that we not be separated. But why did God allow writing of divorcement in Israel? Because of the hardness of man's heart. What will cause us to be separated from our Lord? The hardness of our hearts. The problem is, and I pray, you know, the wedding ceremony I used yesterday was one that I have rewritten a couple of times and I put some very specific things in it that refer to the Word of God here because so many young people today look upon marriage like it's an option instead of a lifetime contract. That's right. You took him for better or worse, you took her for better or worse, and part of that ceremony said, till death do we part. Amen. Okay. But the Shulamite woman is saying, I found my beloved, I want to be his forever. We're in this thing for the long haul. My advice to young people, and I pray that you'll share this with some young people, especially if you know some that are getting married. My advice to young people is this. Get rid of the parachute. There's no bailing out. Get rid of the parachute. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I told, and I hope she's not embarrassed by it, but I, the night before the wedding, here's what I told Aaron and Roger. I said, there's one word you need to get out of your vocabulary, and that's the word divorce. Amen. You're both saved? Just get rid of that word. There have been times, we go with, Joni and I go through everything together. And see, you have to sort of be a preacher's wife or a preacher or a preacher's kid to understand some of this. But there have been times that we have looked at each other and we said, it's just you and me. That's it. And had I not had a faithful wife, I don't know what I'd have done if it had been just me. But sometimes it's just you and me. And so just young people, get rid of the parachute. You don't need it. What are you saying all that, preacher? We're all old married folks here. Here's why I'm saying it. Because too many people are in the Lord's churches for the good times only. As long as things are running smoothly, maybe because I seek to be served instead of serving, maybe because I'm having my way and nobody's giving me a bad time about it, Maybe because, hey, you know, things are not rough right now. I said right now we don't worry about anybody bursting through those doors and arresting us, but what if we had to worry about that? Yea, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus, the Scripture says, shall suffer persecution. But there are some, as long as things are all right, I'll be there, preacher. But if there's ever any problem, 
maybe if I don't get my way or whatever it may be, then just don't look for me again. And as I said earlier, too many churches are trying to please the world and they're devoted to pleasing the world instead of pleasing Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, and we studied this last Sunday night. We're going to get it, Lord willing, next Sunday night as well. First John chapter 2, verse 15. All that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. And God, through John, said... Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Just as this woman's beloved is special to her, just as husbands and wives ought to be special to one another, folks, New Testament churches are special to our Lord. They're special. This church is special to the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And I would say there's some of my favorite verses, but somebody would say they all are. You know, but listen to it. Know ye not. Now, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. Know ye not. That was in a mess, by the way. I mean, you, you read that book of First Corinthians divided over preachers. They had questions about marriage and divorce or suing one another in the public courts. They had a man who's having sinful relationships with either his mother or, or stepmother, whichever it was. I mean, this church is in a mess. But here's what Paul reminds him. He says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? I believe that the Spirit of God dwells in this church. Amen. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here. Amen. And then he said, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. We're supposed to be special to God. My bride is special to me. I don't want anybody messing with my bride. Amen. You know the quickest way to get this preacher man? Say something ugly about his wife. I'll have to work to be a Christian if I hear something like that happen. You know How much greater love does the Lord have for this church and every one of his churches than I have for my wife, than you have for your wife, your husband, your children? God loves this church and God loves every true church. And why is this kind of devotion needed? Pretty soon we're going to see Solomon coming on the scene. And Solomon's coming on the scene with all of his wealth, everything that he could attract her with and try to entice her. Remember, he had 300 wives and 700 concubines. He could attract women, apparently. But he's going to come on the scene. And what is happening today is this world, so-called success, the flesh, and the devil holding things out to us today saying here you can have this hey there's somebody that's got air conditioning working you stay home and watch it on live stream and enjoy the air conditioning in church too or here's what the world has to offer why don't you if you just leave that kind of old-fashioned thinking behind to become a part of the modern religious world you can have this and this and this you'll say that to this church and so just like Solomon's going to come on the scene with his wealth, Satan tries to draw us individually and as a church away from the Lord. And we need to be aware of what he does. Song of Solomon is a beautiful, beautiful account of dedication and devotion. And it serves as an example of God's love for us and God's love for his churches and the love that Christ has. This Shulamite woman, so eager to find the one that she cared for that she would risk her life and go out at night. And when she found him, she said, we're never going to be apart again. Folks, we have the truth, and we serve our Lord. And we should never, 
never seek to be apart from Him. Devotion, determination, diligence, desire, we ought to have all of those for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to close by asking a question, and you may think it's silly, but I need to ask it actually several questions. Do you love Jesus? Do you love God? Well, I'm getting some weak amens here. Do you love Jesus with a, an agape, self-sacrificing type of love? Or is it a phileo, fondness, friendship type of love? Do you love Him with the kind of love that this Shulamite woman had for her shepherd that she loved so much? That you might actually risk it all to find Him and to serve Him. Now, I don't know what your answer is. I heard some weak amens <laughs> and yeses. I don't know what your answer is to those questions, but if your answer is yes, what are you doing about it? Because the time may come that we are required to prove our love for our Lord.